0: some biblical scholars call today's reading from the Gospel of Mark a Markan sandwich. That's because there is one story placed between two parts of another story, like a slice of Oscar Mayo bologna between two pieces of Wonder Bread, or like roasted pork belly inside a delicious pork bun oozing with pickled cucumber. Mm. Anyway, A Mark and Sandwich. In this case, the story of the hemorrhaging woman who touches Jesus' clothes happens inside the narrative of going to the house of Jairus to heal his daughter. Mark serves up these sandwiches a number of times in his gospel, and there's usually a reason for it. I will tell you right off the bat that the reason for today's sandwich is that Mark wants us to hear two similar stories of people whose own faith helped bring about their healing from Jesus. The faith of Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, plays a part in healing his beloved daughter. Jesus tells him, do not fear, but only believe. And the faith of the hemorrhaging woman causes her to reach out and touch the garment of Jesus. So faith, faith is an important component of salvation, is a major theme in Mark's Gospel. So he wants to make sure that we hear it in the echo between these two stories. Today, I would like to walk us through one of them. We are never told the name of the hemorrhaging woman. We only know that she's living with a devastating illness. For 12 years, she has had a constant blood flow that won't stop. Once wealthy, she is now impoverished by all the medical bills she has had to pay. There was no health care back then, of course. This woman is now penniless and still not cured of her disease. She's been weakened by the loss of blood. But on top of her physical ailments, her condition has made her an outcast in the community. In Jewish law, a woman menstruating was considered unclean and had to stay away from other people until that period of time was over back in the day. For this woman, it was never over. So she was ostracized and denied the company of others, suffering alone for years, spiraling downward physically and spiritually, economically and socially. In fact, she was breaking the law by even showing up in the crowd that surrounded Jesus. She was not supposed to be there. But she was desperate. She had heard about the healings of Jesus and she came to the seashore to find him, hoping against hope that she could be made whole. But she couldn't just walk right up to him and ask to be healed. For many reasons. Shame at feeling unclean. The crowds feeling unworthy to merit the attention of a healer like Jesus. And the fact that Jairus had already beat her to it and asked for his daughter's healing. For all these reasons, she she couldn't simply step up and ask outright to be healed. So she did something desperate. Pushing through the crowd, she reached out to touch the garments of Jesus. Jesus. It was a pitiful gesture, but she had nothing left to lose. In her despair, the hemorrhaging woman did the only thing she could think of, yet her action also came from a kernel of faith deep inside her. She knew it was taboo for a woman to touch a man in public. She also understood that her touch, a hemorrhaging woman's touch, would make Jesus unclean in the eyes of the community. But his presence had reawakened hope in her heart. What if it were true what people had said about Jesus? Could she possibly be healed and restored to the person she was 12 years ago? So she touched his clothes, and her bleeding stopped immediately. Jesus whipped around when he sensed power going forth from him. He wanted to know who touched him. Now, he was already on an urgent mission to Jairus' house because the little girl was near death. They had no time to lose. So why would he bother to stop to identify the recipient of his healing? Well, he did it because the healing was not yet complete. If physical healing were all that mattered, Jesus could have kept on walking. And the woman might have thought that he'd worked some magic without him even knowing it. But unlike all the other touching and jostling that he got from the crowd that day, Jesus knew that this touch carried with it a longing, an urgent need for connection and restoration. So he sought out the person who had been healed. When the woman falls at his feet trembling and tells her story, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. By naming her daughter, he lets her know that she is once again part of the family of Israel. He restores her to her community. He also lets her know how precious she is to God, like a daughter to a parent. No longer an outsider or unclean, Jesus breaks through those barriers and welcomes her as a whole and healthy person, sees her as she truly is. And this connection, this relationship completes the healing that was begun when she touched him. But she had to break the barrier of her own fear first. She had to find the faith within herself that could make her courageous enough to reach out and touch the garment. Jesus recognizes this and credits her faith with creating that opening through which he would meet her and heal her. So who in our communities suffer from their own versions of hemorrhaging? There are children and adults that we see every day and don't realize it who are made to feel unworthy or outcast by others, who need God's unconditional love to show up in their lives so they know they are loved just as they are. might even be some of us sometimes. As faithful members of this community of St. Luke's, we can encourage the faith of others by offering that healing touch of Jesus where we go and where we live and work. When I last preached on this passage uh, when I was in Boston, I used a story back then that I would like to share again now. It was about a woman named Karen Klein, a 68-year-old grandmother who worked as a school bus monitor in New York for a middle school. One morning on the bus that she rode with the kids, Karen was horribly teased by a group of seventh grade boys. One of them videotaped the whole thing and posted it to YouTube. They swore at her and criticized her weight, her looks, and her poverty, bringing her to tears. While this went on, she clutched a cloth purse that had inspirational and funny sayings on it like, live with integrity, just believe, and life is too short to wear pantyhose. (laughs) In a way, that purse was made from the garments of Jesus, Because she told the bullies that she had faith in these sayings and tried to live by these words. But Jesus also showed up and helped Karen find healing in even greater ways. The support she received from around the world when people who had seen the video and were outraged was profoundly touching. A man in Canada started a fund. Let's give Karen Klein the school bus monitor a vacation. It was titled, the goal was to raise $5,000. They collected over $700,000. But what truly mattered, what brought healing to Karen, I believe, was the compassion behind those gifts of generosity. What they told Karen was, you matter. You are not alone. We love you. And we want you to feel whole and beloved. We can be messengers of Christ's healing to those in need, even on social media. And no one should ever be made to feel like an outcast from God's creation. Now that our parish office has reopened, I find myself at my desk engaging in some bad old habits. There are benches in the courtyard just outside my door, and people often sit there to rest, or to recharge their cell phones, or sometimes to sleep. The bad habit I have is that I always assume they're gonna knock on my door and ask me for money, or for something I don't have the time to stop and give. So I kinda stay quiet in my office, I hunker down, I turn down the music on my computer and hope they'll go away. Very Christian of me. Yesterday afternoon a man settled onto the bench, huffing and puffing and talking to himself. I rolled my eyes and thought, eesh, here we go. But shortly after he arrived, a woman showed up and started talking with him in a loud voice. I, of course, eavesdropped. I couldn't help it. It was right there outside my door. Turned out the woman was a social worker and they had chosen our courtyard to meet and discuss a case that was going to court on Monday to which he'd have to attend. She asked whether he had nice enough clothes to wear. Yes. And whether he needed her to arrange a ride to the courthouse. No, he said he'd take the bus. Through the entire conversation, her tone, though loud, was caring and concerned. When she finished, he thanked her profusely for all her help, and she told him to take care of himself. She left. He huffed and puffed a bit more than he left. I alone remained, sitting in my office, blinds drawn, red-faced with shame. On that beautiful Saturday afternoon, the garment of Jesus was worn by a social worker, not by a priest. Luckily for the man on the bench, he'd chosen the right person to connect with. Examples abound of outcasts longing to be seen and touched with compassion and healing. Sometimes we, too, need to be reminded of God's boundless love. Wherever your hurt is that hasn't healed, whatever you may have suffered from over the years, whatever makes you bleed, trust in Jesus. Reach out in faith, touch his garments, however they show up in your life, and be made well. The garment of Christ is worn in many places. You, in fact, wear it today. May God grant us the faith to reach out when we are in need. May Christ give us the strength to be his boundless compassion in the world. And may the Holy Spirit restore us to our true and loving selves. Amen.